This is Pamela Kuhn, and the curtain is up on Center Stage, the show about the arts, the art of living, and all of our profound journeys in life. Well, I'm back, baby, back from the high desert of eastern Oregon, where I have spent the last month being reunited with members of my family, and most especially, my mom. It's been a long time since I have been home, especially with the conservative attitude I have taken through COVID in being hyper-cautious about traveling. So luxuriating in the farmland, the vineyards, the dry heat, and spectacular vistas of Oregon, I found a precious communion with the part of the country that made me who I am. But now back to the East Coast and summer near the ocean. So how do I handle re-entry onto my show? Well, the best way that I can think of outside of another broadcast on the merits of Formula One racing <laughs> is getting Matt Mickelson and Bob Small back in the studio so we can talk about the world of entertainment. It's, I think it's high time to look at another angle of how movies and television speak to us. You know, we've spoken before of our favorites, but what about the memorable moments that movies and television leave us with? You know, the generosity of filmmaking leaves me with many perspectives. It can be the big picture of the story, or, or perhaps it is in the tiny, memorable moments that we walk away with the biggest prize. The best of stories possess the reveal, the purpose, the enduring notions of memory, the fleeting catalysts that either send us running for a tissue or hiding in horror. So today, let's do it. It can be drama, sci-fi, comedy, or horror films, but the bottom line is that those moments move us to memory and the identification with those scenes. And you know what? The experience is different for everybody, so that's why I've got Matt Mickelson and Bob Small with me, and here we go. Matt, it's been so long. Hello. And you're in the studio. I know. I can't believe it. This is way fun. Uh, Yes, much better than a Zoom call. In my pajamas. No. <laughs> no, I'm still in my pajamas. Who am I kidding? <laughs> you have on, I think you told me, your Field of Dreams shirt I have shirt the today. same shirt that Kevin Costner wore in the Field of Dreams. You do? I'm Did wearing you get it. it from him? No. I think I got it at the Gap. <laughs> <laughs> it's great. It's great. And you look wonderful. And, and Bob Small, I hope you're good. Have you missed me for no. the last month? Yes, quite. Oh, excellent. <laughs> I remember our last show was Formula One, live together. That was way cool. Really? That was the last? Wow. Yeah, it was. A big favorite. We'll be back with that. But in the meantime, you know, let's uh, let's kick this off. I want to talk about, you know, areas of films, snippets of films, lines in film or television, let's be honest, because, you know, all of us in this room know about how television has made this indelible mark on us as individuals. So, Matt, let's start with you. Well, what has launched you into this idea in the first place? What were you watching that uh, that made you think, oh, you know what would be a great idea for a show? Actually, to be honest, it's because I saw another film critic be on another radio show, and they were talking about the, the horror movies they wish they hadn't seen oh, ever. Oh, God, yeah. Because it made them so frightened. To the, Things they you can't unsee. You got yeah. it. And that are you with you for the rest of your life. And I can't go there, Matt. I'm telling. I'm <laughs> such a pretty cat. I can't. I watched the end of Carrie. Don't. Almost sent me over the edge. I mean, the original Carrie. Yeah. You know. Yeah, yeah. So if I was looking at some Dario Argento film and and it was really hardcore, you know, horror, I think I wouldn't be able to talk for a couple of years. Yeah. But anyway. I was going to bring up Jaws, and that that was one for me that I that I, I still wake up in night sweats. Yeah. Is that right? Oh yeah, that's glued in there, man. That's oh, not my. coming out. 
It's one of my favorite films in the world. And, I, and talk about memorable moments. For me, that movie was all about Robert Shaw making that film come alive oh, yeah. with the speech of how they went down delivering yeah. the bomb. And you know they tried that drunk? I know. You know, because in the scene he's supposed to be drunk, but... The, he couldn't remember his lines. <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, he didn't show up for two days because he was so afraid of approaching that, that big speech. That's, that's Robert Shaw we're talking yeah, about, one of the yeah. great actors Mr. of all times. And he showed up sober, and they nailed it in one take. And apparently, hmm. all the produ- everybody on, on set, they said, this is when we knew we had a movie. Yeah. Now, this is what I'm talking about in a memorable moment. And that's a, a true story moment. that he talked about, too. Yeah, that's a exactly. True story. And that he and Richard Dreyfuss did not get along. No. <laughs> Richard Dreyfuss can be a little prickly, I guess. Yeah, I think a little prickly. Yeah, he was kind of high on his own ego after a couple of stage successes. Yeah, yeah. it's and, not the first person to And to there say it that, is. But. Oh, my gosh. Anyway, okay. So, um, so Matt, what is it for you? I mean, Well, I mean, I, I was uh, – I, I kind of was, uh, you know, spinning around the, this in my brain. And, and, you know, you have all those moments in movies – that really grab you and that you often revisit. That's why you go watch your favorite movies over and over right, and over again. Right. You want to feel that feeling again, whatever that was. Um, but And also, on the, on the same um, instance, not only do the scenes you know keep sticking with you or you use them in conversation, but also some of the phrases come back and you use those in, in your, your regular conversations. And it's mm-hmm. a part of our popular culture. You know, everybody mm-hmm. knows what the dude abides means or everybody knows what somebody means when they say we're going to need a bigger boat. No matter what mm-hmm. you're talking about, you know, mm-hmm. if you didn't bring enough picnic food for the 100 people that showed up to your five person picnic, <laughs> we're going to need a bigger boat. You know, everybody knows what that means off to the store. Um, but also the, just those scenes that just, you know, are so imprinted on your brain and and are such a part of, of movie memorabilia because, you know, our movies are our new art and art mm-hmm. is what makes a culture. So if you want to destroy a culture, you take away their art, their identity. And movies for the past, you know, 80 years have been our identity. It's how we see ourselves, you know. And when you see a movie that really sticks with you, it's because you see yourself in that character. Like Field of Dreams you bring up. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and that movie just sticks to you like glue because everyone's got that teenage mistake they made that, you know, uh, like for Ray in the movie, it was him walking out on his father because um, he made the mistake of getting old. Um, and, and being angry with his yeah. father and not being able to apologize for it before his father passed away. And, and never being able to have any kind of closure there or retribution. So, not retribution, but um, uh Redemption. Redemption. So really, it's about Ray trying to find that within himself to forgive himself. And I think, you know, there's a magical... This is your penance, Ray. It is. It is. (laughs) James Earl Jones, don't we just love him? But, um, you know, that whole film has that gorgeous dreamlike feeling mm-hmm. from the very beginning thanks to the film score of James Horner i mean it's it's all uh, uh, Aaron Copeland you know and kind yeah. of uh, uh, wheat fields and waving in the wind but the long sweeping music that's kind of like uh, uh, also like um, uh, john Houston? Barry? Barrymore john Barrymore <laughs> John Barry John Barry, John yeah, Barry. We're talk- <laughs> <laughs> sorry uh, <laughs> another movie in the field out of africa 
you know, different you fields, it. but, you know, sweeping music and also High Road to China and a bunch of other movies you can name, James Bond stuff. But, That's right. But just that added with simple scenes of a guy looking out into a field having a thought and that sweeping music just puts you right there with him. You know, and mm. that, that I think that's why we're drawn to it so much. And also, it's almost like M. Night Shyamalan. It, it, you know, there were all those scenes that were at dusk. You know, he's out mm-hmm. in the corn. It's always the corn, guys, isn't it? Where all the magic Weird or stuff the aliens in the corn every time. Yeah. walk out. I don't know what this fascination is with corn, but, you know. But what I love about that film the most is that Kevin Costner, I think it's one of his finest moments, but he comes across with that thing we all want to stand for. If if we've been divided from our parents, if we've lost a father, and he's obviously carrying around so much pain, uh, hence the fact that, you know, his wife is supporting him on every foolish move that he makes. Yeah. Every decision he makes in that film is ridiculous. But that's that thing we all want to do. We all want to be freed to do that, you know? And she loves it because it's anti-establishment. And you know, she's still in the 70s. Because it's, it's like Footloose. All the people in the town are like, you're crazy, you're right? You know, and, exactly. And, and, you know, afraid to, to uh, make a move. But this is him making a move. And, you know, he has to, of course, make a big risk doing it. Also, of a, of a thing that he feels deep down inside he has to do and he can't explain it. But he's not risking his soul. He's following his yeah. soul. And wouldn't we all love to be able to have that freedom to do that? For me, you know, from the moment James Earl Jones gives his big baseball speech yeah. and all the players start to walk in behind him, almost like en masse, like, like a militia. Mm-hmm. And and then, of course, the twist at the end, which we won't reveal to anyone who hasn't seen this fine movie. But, you know, I think it's it's really interesting. I pulled out an article from the Guardian newspaper in England that a man just rewatched it. Mm-hmm. And he talked about, really, you know, it's sentimental and whatever. But to him, he had lost his father. And it took him back to that place he wanted to be, just like Ray. Yeah. And so before I start crying now... Yeah, I'm getting a lump in my throat. We're verklempt. But also, like, a movie like a, a, a little-renowned movie, uh, Powder, from 1995, mm-hmm. starring uh, Sean Patrick... Uh, Flannery, mm-hmm. uh, who is young Indiana Jones in the TV series in the uh, 80s and 90s. That's right. And also uh, actor Lance Henriksen uh, from Alien fame and who Predator fame. Who we adore. adore uh, who, Lance who I think was uh, such a great character in this because he was set up to be the, you know, ignorant law enforcer character. Um, but he ended up being the law enforcement character with empathy. And I think what a lot of these movies drive towards is is discovering our empathy, you mm-hmm. know, because a lot mm-hmm. of times it's, you know, a, a person who is dealing with an oddity of some sort and they're not getting any empathy from the bully or the the uh, township or whoever. And usually sometimes the bad guy is law enforcement, like in Rambo. He just doesn't get it that this guy might be off his uh, noodle because mm-hmm. of the war. He could care less. He's more worried about a sheriff promotion. Um and also uh, in, in um, Powder, he's being bullied by the lead singer from Pearl Jam, um, who's actually just an actor that looks like him. But uh, <laughs> I'm like, really? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> but but the, the, the character uh, just, just wanted human touch because yep. he's been beaten and neglected his whole life, mm-hmm. you know, and he just wants one person to see him, mm-hmm. you know, and mm-hmm. I think deep down inside, that's what everybody wants, but... But, um, you know, this movie kind of exemplifies that because, you know, we're being shown in this neglected character. 
You bring up something that's so important right now. And I think coming out of the pandemic, a lot of people are talking about empathy. You know, this is something that I'm, I'm really pleased with in my life. I have been in touch with. I grew up in a family of empathetic personalities. Mm-hmm. Many people out there aren't. And we've been forced to face empathy yeah. through the suffering we've gone through over the past year. And I, I think that's a good thing. And maybe everybody out there sh- should have another look at powder, you know, for yeah, that reason. Definitely. You know, we're looking for redemption. I mean, in these kind of films, all of us are. And mm-hmm. and maybe you and I are just psychos and we really need to see a shrink. And maybe, or, or our you empathy know? bone is too big, you know. Um, and some people just don't have one. Uh, this is where we have to come to terms with that. But this is where I love visual art, because mm-hmm. whether it is a painting in a museum or we're seeing it in film with music and, you know, the great script. Because well, movies brings all the art together at yeah. once. It you makes know. us better. It, yeah. it, it, it satisfies chaos in our lives. For, and especially, you know, you and I love the whole experience of going into the movie theater for two hours, the popcorn, and we are alone. We're in our own world. We've let everything on the outside go. And, you know, I, I haven't been into a movie theater in a while, yeah, but I'm I hope we'll be back. I, I was hoping back. to go like the 40th anniversary of Razor the Lost Ark. It was showing in a couple of places, but I missed it. Well, um, okay. I'll, uh, uh, and you were you were uh, you asked about uh, what scene just kind of came to you right away that that sticks with you? Yeah. Still, from what movie? What what's yours? Oh, it's I've got, got mine. It's but what's got yours? my number yeah. one. I think his field of dreams, and maybe that's because it's the combination of the music, the dreaminess. We're getting back to um, you know classic film almost, yeah. and I believe it, that movie, as corny as it can be, it epitomizes cinema because cinema is about make believe. Yeah, and when we get to the end and he is reunited with his father. I didn't see it coming in the film. And that had such a profound effect on me at that time and still does. But, you know, there are other films that I can see. And this is just, I'm, I'm grabbing something. And this sure. is ridiculous. Happy Gilmore. When I oh, watch, I was going <laughs> to... When I watch Happy Gilmore even now, I've watched it, I don't know, 4,000 times. I still laugh out loud. I, I love that movie. I, I was going to bring that up, but the line I wanted to do, I can't say on the radio. <laughs> no, it just, it goes to that place. But isn't it just true that it, so often we want to be something in our lives? He wants to be this hockey player, and it's your, it's not your destiny, right? Yeah. And, but yeah. your brilliance is somewhere else, and by some strange six degrees of separation, you find it. But the way he regards and everybody's people, got their Shooter McGavin, too, you know. Just, yes, their noses. But, you know, that's just one example of something that I is eminently watchable, just eminently watchable. I, lo- I watch L.A. Confidential. I could watch that film over and over again. The script is so fine, mm-hmm. and there are so many moments. There are so many moments. But, Bob, I've got to ask you, what, what, is, your, what is your moment? Or do you have one, and can you share? Um, I, a moment doesn't come to me, but a movie that I do tend to go back to a lot mm-hmm. is The Great Race, strangely enough. Which is uh, Tony Curtis, yeah. Jack Lemon. Yeah. Oh my it's gosh, comedy. that's one of the funniest and things I in the in the world. I Matt, love... have you seen The Great Race? No. Oh, you have to see this no. film. I, I saw the other one with the dress, uh, Marilyn Monroe, oh, Billy some like Wilder, some like it one hot. of the greatest yeah. films of all time, maybe. Yes. But exactly. The Great Race is really interesting in that it's it's this huge spectacle. It's ridiculously mm-hmm. silly, but yet uh, just Tony Curtis and Jack Lemon together. In is that one what film? like the Cannonball Run is based on, or? 
you know, this movie in the hey. 70s where all the uh, the Rat Pack and all the other guys kind get of, together well, yeah. and drink and make a movie? The Cannibal Run actually <laughs> it was a real real race. Oh, really? Yes. And the movie was supposed to depict the real race. I, they might and have the real race close might to have, that in the first one, but like, yeah. by the fifth one, they were no, so off the rails. That's true. <laughs> <laughs> it, was, it was getting close to Herbie the Love Bug there, but, it but was, with Burt Reynolds. You the know? <laughs> race was done beautifully in Technicolor. It was, yeah. it was Natalie Wood at her finest, mm-hmm. you know, the costumes, everything. It, it was like My Fair Lady. It's a big spectacle. Yeah. But the, the but, elements of comedy. I, I mean, oh, oh, my gosh, we could go on forever. That, that's a really good choice. You know, I've got to say, guys, one of my other moments, and i it's interesting because I did not read all the books, but I am fascinated by all of the films, is the Harry Potter films. Hmm. And for me, maybe one of my finest moments, and it kind of gets to why I want to talk about these things today. There's this thing within all of us that we're drawn to. But in the last film, there's a kind of Sir Percival moment when Neville, the mis- the real you know, kind of clunky misfit, just gets up and grabs the sword and kills the snake and changes everything. So here is this, this kind of cute, cute guy who's, who's clumsy but becomes the big hero in the end. Yeah. It, it takes you off the mark you know, of the obvious and takes us into the world of the real of, of all of us. There's a hero maybe in everybody. Yeah, yeah, and that gets to the idea of, you know, everyone's got that thing that they're afraid to do, whether it's applying for a job or, mm-hmm. or uh, you know, playing music in front of people or asking that girl out that you think is out of your league. You know, it's all those things, and they're just exemplified in movies, you know, um, that, that just show the same feeling, but in, in you know, uh, you know, amplified circumstances, of course, you know, because not everyone is going to have to kill a giant snake with a sword anytime soon. I don't I know <laughs> if we were in Florida, maybe. But Matt, let me ask you this. So is it the movie that's important? Is it the big picture or is it the small moments that make the film? Well, usually the small moments are a culmination of what the movie's trying to say, mm-hmm. you know, um, I don't think anyone goes into writing a story without without having a a, a message uh, of some sort. You know, whether it's you know the Shawshank Redemption, you mm-hmm. know the big scene where the guys are up on the roof and they get to have a beer. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I've heard that referred to so many times. Mm-hmm. That's huge. You know, by people working hard outside and they're like, "Man, I feel like I'm on Shawshank Redemption." You know, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I just want a beer and now I can feel like a man. You know, um, you know. Well, I noticed recently uh, on TV a movie that came back. And I tried watching it again, and I still don't understand what its message was trying to be. Uh-huh. Dazed and confused. Yeah. Uh, it huh. just looks like it's trying to give me an idea of what it was like then. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And that's about all it's trying yeah, to Yeah, like do. they just plopped mm-hmm. the camera down in 1977 and yeah. let go. Mm-hmm. You know, That's kind of Art, Art Linkletter, I, I, that, that is? I don't know. Right? I think so. Um, I yeah, think that's so. kind of his thing. Mm-hmm. You know, But he also brought a school of rock. You know, so which was, yeah, great fun, and which I quote and the whole thing. all the time. All the you time, you know. Um, and uh, so once in a while, his pieces are are hanging out pieces, mm. but every once in a while, he he you know pulls out a scripted piece of you know wonderfulness that mm. uh, that is beyond just oh, this is what it was like in 1968. And he's know. got his button on the contemporary, the the kids of, of now. Of, yeah, you know what's what's important. I want to bring up two films. Um, to me, they're really important for different reasons, but they're similar in their construct in that I want to talk about Gladiator with Russell Crowe. Yeah. 
and Casablanca. And the reason I bring these up is both of them had a mess of a script. The actors would show up every day, and nobody knew what was oh, really? coming down. Like, they changed their idea all the time. They changed scre- screenwriters. I think about Gladiator, and that, that movie moves me still. When we get to that fabulous point where he, he introduces himself in the Gladiator ring, mm-hmm. and the music comes up, given to us by Hans Zimmer, who's totally stolen it from Wagner's ring, and you're so wound up in the moment that the adrenaline rush is incredibly ridiculous Mm -hmm. and you want to root for this guy the downtrodden all the time yeah and um you know that to me is again one of these things that movies can do it can push our buttons to be able to force us to look twice yeah i mean i mean if you think about it it is basic basic redemption and basic basic revenge happening at the same time Mm -hmm. he's avenging his family he's also you know, avenging uh, the fact that his, you know, leader was murdered by his son and he's, you know, trying to right that wrong, so mm-hmm. to speak, mm-hmm. um, in, in a, you know, much more brutal brutal world than we live in now. And the gladiator ring, I mean, that's got everything. It's like, you know, I am Spartacus. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> it's the same kind of thing. And I mean, and just showing how nutty those people were, how just, you know, life had zero value, you know, kind of yeah. thing. Uh, yeah. Nobody cared. You Interesting. Know, for whatever reason that was. And what I heard is, you know, in the gladiator ring, the people cheered because they're behind their thought was, well, it's not me mm-hmm. down there. Mm-hmm. So, yay. <laughs> but let's bring up another gladiator kind of moment. And I've just got to get to it before our time is over. And that is Star Wars, the original A New Hope. When Luke rushes back to find that his aunt and uncle have been murdered. He goes back to Obi-Wan Kenobi and lifts his head and said, I want to come with you. I want to become a Jedi and learn the powers of the Force. And I remember the first time I saw it, everybody cheered. Again, one of those moments. See mm-hmm. the power behind these films. Yeah. Uh, I, I, the one I brought up from Empire Strikes Back is when uh, Han Solo is captured and the Boba Fett's Slave One ship takes off. And Princess Leia is running out there. And this is the the piece of music that I always used to draw to because, you know, before VHS tapes, all we had were the records. Mm -hmm. And so I would Mm -hmm. just draw Star Wars stuff and listen to the albums. And I knew exactly what was happening during the piece of music because I'd seen the movie so many times. But, you know, just she would run towards the ship and know she's not going to get there and just her her chin drops to her knees because she's just, you know, out of her breath. Her boyfriend's and out of hope. gone. Exactly. Forever. <laughs> Who knew? But the music just exemplifies that. And then everybody else, else is like, come on, let's go. We got to yeah. get out of here. And that's the the one thing I took from Lawrence Kasdan was it's the second act, man, the whole movie. And that's when everything falls apart. Ah, very Empire Strikes Back is the second act of you know, the trilogy. Okay, this is an interesting point. When we talk about the use a different phraseology, arc, but that's what it means. <laughs> this is really interesting. I'm a big fan of Lawrence Kasdan. Oh, as am I. I mean, yeah. you know, whether it was Silverado or, you know, the Star Wars legacy or, or whatever. Yeah, that's really interesting when we look at the arc of these things, because so mm-hmm. much of what is being done now is in trilogy form or beyond. Yeah. Well, because everyone's trying to make money off of a thing that's going to be wash, rinse, and repeat. But when we start to look at things like, you know, John Favreau, like taking over now and Dave Filoni with The Mandalorian and going into Disney is so strong, they take those values with them. Well, because they love it. Yeah, they the do. Suits from the suits don't the love start. it. <laughs> the suits could give a care, you know, I mean. But we love Dave Filoni and John Favreau yeah. for what they're trying to do. Well, because they're two guys that love it so much and want to see it 
succeed. And that's yeah. why the Mandalore did so well because it's like you know they're they're Star Wars nerds too. Yeah, exactly. You know, and and they uh, just they're making what they want to see. But they're picking up the youth now as well, not just us old fogies who. I don't know. I don't know. I think they're picking up the youth, just doing what George did, making you know something that he thinks is going to be great and not trying to sell stuff while he's doing it. So they're going with the passion of what they... That's their, the their, big their mistake, you know, Disney made in 2015 is they're like, how many of these doodads can we sell and how can we get away without paying royalties on these main characters? Exactly. Oh, exactly. we'll just not put them in the movie, you know? <laughs> um, but, uh, but in... You know, their 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 eye was on how do we make back the four billion dollars we gave back we gave George for this franchise, as opposed to let's find some people that are super passionate about this mm-hmm. and, and let them lead the way, as opposed to us just hiring you know the rich kids in town and throwing money at them and hoping for the best. And you know what they're bringing with them? Empathy. Yeah. I mean, totally. You know, and this is where I'm sucked into movies once again, and I'm so thrilled. And with new series. Yeah. You know, we, we talked about Cobra Kai and Mandalorian. Um, all of these things have that great heart-on-the-sleeve thing, which we need right now. Yeah, We, we time, need it to time. find our humanity. we, we got to restore that empathy bone a lot of people are missing. Listen, I just want to talk for a minute about, like, uh, Casablanca again sure. and, and Hitchcock films. Because for me... Part of the the joy and the moments wasn't in the dialogue. It was actually in the long take with the camera. Mm-hmm. You know, like in Rear Window, when Grace Kelly walks in and she's in soft focus and she has a slow motion um, move to kiss Jimmy Stewart. That's all I think about in that movie. Yeah, I just watched To Catch a Thief the other night. Oh, my God. To Catch a Thief. I mean, Cary Grant. Forget about Grant. Grace Kelly. Yeah. <laughs> Let's talk about <laughs> Cary Grant. <laughs> yeah, but he's playing opposite a, a woman who became a queen. Basically. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, yes. In, Grace Kelly in her own new land at that point, which yeah. was so exciting. Yeah. Any, anything else, Matt? You've got to offer just quickly before we have to well, wrap up. You know, I mean, other things that s- stick with you are, of course, the phraseologies you get from movies, and you use them all the time. But also, you know, just. Uh, the the moments in movies and new TV shows, you know, like um, like the movie Almost Famous, you know, you mm-hmm. you so want to be that kid, Cameron and, Crow. but mm-hmm. but you you're 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 right standing there, right next mm-hmm. to him, having this experience, mm-hmm. you know, um, mm-hmm. a, as opposed to watching it happen, you feel like you're there, and they did such a great job, uh, or Cameron Crowe did such a great job of recreating that world somehow yeah. through yeah. Penny Lane and all that. So we and could be the roadie. I mean, exactly, literally. Exactly. And um, I think a well-forgotten movie is Night and Day with Tom Cruise. Um, and what? uh Really? Uh, what's her name? Uh, it wasn't Charlize Theron. It was the other you, blonde. Yeah. Anyway, yeah, that <laughs> other blonde. I, I'm just saying it's fun. <laughs> Um, but it, it grabs from a lot of older movies, but it, it's just fun and it moves. And also Ted Lasso is, well, if, if you're talking about the, the empathy thing. And also the big message in those things are, are um, what did I, uh, moments that, that where kindness wins over narcissism. You know, like in Ted Lasso, you have all these, these uh, footballers, soccer players, uh, that are just total jerks and so full of themselves and yeah. they don't communicate and Ted Lasso just comes in as this as nice, nice good old boy from South Carolina mm-hmm. that coached a 
soccer team or a football team football or something team. and mm-hmm. has no clue and they just dump on this guy and then he brings it around and totally turns these people and he bakes cookies and we love him and it's about to start again <laughs> hey we gotta stop matt oh man mickelson bob small it's been way fun i love this i'm so glad to be home everybody I hope you will turn on your televisions, your films, uh, you know, go find your favorite moment. In the meantime, Matt Mickelson, Bob Small, thanks so much. This is Pamela Kuhn, and the curtain is now down on Center Stage. Mm-hmm.